You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Um, remind me at the end, okay? Remind me at the end. Um, we are continuing a series uh, this morning on um, learning to, to uh, getting to know the, your father's, the father heart of God for you, um, knowing God's father heart for you. And uh, I told you last week I had an alternate title for this. Um, that uh, was, uh, God's not mad at you, he's just being dad. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that are kind of walking around thinking that, um, that God is uh, upset with them, uh, maybe not bad enough to, to rub them out, but just not, not happy with them. And uh, that's what's kind of prompted me to, to preach on this, because, you know, there, there are times when God is not pleased with the things that we do, but he's... He's not uh, out to get us. Um, he's not punishing you. Um, there will be a punishment that comes uh, for sin, but when that comes, you're going to know it. It won't be that you, you know, hit your finger with a hammer or, or something like that. Uh, it's uh, the, uh, the authority of God and the judgment of God are, uh, are absolute um, at this point, he loves you, and he wants to change you into the image of Jesus Christ, and he's really good at doing that. And uh, so if you've been kind of operating under that, and, and I'll tell you what causes that a lot of times, is just a kind of a sense of guilt uh, or, um, or not measuring up. Uh, and a lot of that comes from the way that we related to our heavenly, I mean to our earthly fathers. And sometimes we project on our heavenly father what our earthly father is or was. And um, when you really understand the fatherhood of God, it lets your earthly father off the hook. I mean, it takes the pressure off of him. Because you don't get your identity from him anymore. You don't get your approval from him anymore. It's great to have an identity and it's great to have his approval, okay? But you're not living for that anymore. It's your heavenly father and he's a perfect father. And that's what we have to transfer our, um, our understanding and our image of who we are and who he is and who we are in him uh, from the way that we were maybe raised until the, the way that it is now. And we grow in an understanding of that as we grow in maturity uh, in the Lord. So today, my subject uh, is uh, the fear of the Lord, and I've got two parts to it. And the first, the fear of the Lord um, and authority, the fear of the Lord and authority. I think that, again, this is one of those things that we have great misunderstandings about, but it's a necessary relationship with God, the fear of the Lord. Um, when I first got saved, there was a guy um, here at TCF. Um, he was a great guy. He was one of the core members of TCF, and he was so full of love and joy that uh, he, was, he was a greeter before we even knew what greeters were. He used to stand out in the foyer and uh, everybody that came got a hug. 
Everybody that walked in the door got a hug. And he, and he was so happy, and he had this big smile, and he was, he was an incredible guy. Um, and we were t- I was talking to him one time. It was actually in a small group. And we was t- I was talking to him about um, the fear of the Lord, and he was saying that he, d- he said, I don't fear the Lord. He said, I never fear- feared my, my earthly father. I mean, he loved me, and I had no fear whatsoever uh, of, my, of my earthly father. And I realized that this guy, he was much further along in the Lord than I was, but there was a gap there. There was something that was missing, that he did not understand what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is not terror. The fear of the Lord is not that he's going to do something bad to you. The fear of the Lord is not that he's, going to, he's out to get you. The fear of the Lord is an awe and reverence for who he is. And listen, God makes himself accessible to us, but there's a whole lot more to God than what you see. And his handiwork is all around us, and whoever made all of this stuff is a lot smarter and a lot more powerful than us. And there ought to be something within us that is just in awe of him. The fear of the Lord is a healthy respect for and understanding of who he is. Matthew chapter, I want to talk about authority today. So Matthew chapter... Uh, 20, verse 25 uh, through 28, and, uh, and I'll read it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. It said, but Jesus uh, said to them, um, Jesus called them to him and, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whatever... But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is describing here is the contrast, the difference between worldly authority or the way that the world works and godly authority, or the kingdom of God. And just like almost everything else that he said about the kingdom of God, it's, it's like not computing. It's not the way we think. It's not the way we see things. And when we come to him, we have to have our minds transformed. Amen? We have to begin to think differently about things. We have to understand the value system of God and the way that he does things. And what Jesus is describing here is the way that God uses his authority and the way that godly authority is manifested and is presented in, um, in the world and in the church. And the, that's the way that it's supposed to work. So I wanted to start this morning by talking about a famous character that uh, is a, a great example of, um, of who Jesus is talking about here. And he may be talking about this guy. I don't know. Um, he's the guy that was um, a king. Uh, when uh, Jesus was born. You remember what the guy's name was? Jesus was born and, and the wise men came and they were telling him that, uh, hey, you know, we're here. We just heard that the, the king of the Jews has been born, you know, like we would like to see him. And they're thinking the most logical place to go would be the guy in authority to go to the king, right? That's the absolute worst place to go, right? So they came to him. Remember what his name is? Herod. He's not the only Herod, but he's, he's one, of the, one of the bad ones. And he, uh, he called himself Herod the Great. I don't think he's that great. I think he, she proved that he was, he was not that great. I, don't think, I think he was trying to compensate for his own 
uh, fear and his own uh, inadequacy, and he was using all of the things that uh, worldly rulers use, all from, from kings to, you know, to um, uh, um, you know, bosses or teachers uh, or moms or dads sometimes. You know, he was using all of the techniques that they used to try to, you know, to, to try to establish their authority and make sure that everybody knows, you know, who's in charge here. Um, he was, he had a 33-year reign in Israel, and it was troubled all the time. And it was not troubled because of outside pressure. It was troubled because of what was going on in his heart and the way that he ruled and reigned. He was one of the most dangerous people that ever lived, beginning with his own family, beginning with his mom, beginning with his wives, um, beginning with his brother, and even his children. He killed his children. He killed um, his, uh, a couple of his sons. He was, he was a, a horrible, horrible ruler. He's the guy that when um, they came to him and they said, um, a, a king, the king of the Jews has been born, it said that he was troubled. If you read that scripture now, it also says, and all of Israel with him. Man, when this guy gets upset, everybody's afraid. You ever been in a, in a situation like that? Somebody that's in authority, and they get upset, and man, everybody is in their cubicle just wondering where the axe is going to fall, you know? Or maybe it, it, you grew up that way in your home, and you know, either your mom or your dad you know, was really upset about something, and all the kids are scared to death. They don't know where the blow is going to land next. They don't know, you know what's going to happen to them. That's the authority that Jesus is talking about and it's ungodly authority it's not the way that um, that the uh, that authority is supposed to be um, in the kingdom of God Herod did a lot of things to try to to try to gain respect and gain um, more power and more control over the people that he was ruling he built a temple complex that uh, was one of the wonders of the world at that time but it wasn't because he was a very religious man, and it wasn't because he wanted, like David did, wanted God to be the center of the nation. No, he just wanted to curry favor with these people. And then he also was involved in the whole plot with uh, Cleopatra and Mark Anthony and, uh, and C uh, Caesar Augustus and all of that. He was involved in all of that and gained a lot of um, allies in Rome. That's what caused him to be able to rule um, in Israel. That's what got him that place of authority. But he was doing all of these things to justify his existence. He was doing all of these things to try to, to uh, manipulate people into following him, into listening to him. And he used two things. He used the blessings. He used the benefits. He built the temple. He built aqueducts. He built uh, roads and stuff like that, a lot of public stuff. And then he threatened them to within an inch of their lives. He was using both of these things together. Now listen, what I'm describing to you is the way that the world uses power. That's the way that it works. And if you've ever been in a situation like that, you know that there are a lot of problems that come along with that. Not the least of which is that there is never any peace. People don't know what their place is. People don't know what, they're, what to expect they don't know whether they're going to get justice or whether this person that's in authority is going to use his power and his authority in his own way without any, um, uh, any justification, without justice. That's what Jesus meant when he said he would lord it over them. 
Jesus was born into this time. So Jesus is born and the wise men come and they're saying, you know, we're looking for this king. And they have a heavenly guide to tell him. Otherwise, they would never have found him. And even if they had walked by that stable and seen this young couple in the stable and they're looking for the king, that would have been the last place that they expected it. And so God had to give them a, a heavenly, miraculous sign to point them to it. But listen, I'll tell you this. God always wants to reveal Himself to those that are seeking Him. And these wise men from the East were seeking Him. They wanted to know. They, they came to see. And they came with, us, with gifts um, to bring. And so God directed their steps. And God will direct your steps as well. And God will show you that things are not always the way that we think that they are when it comes to authority and when it comes to the king of, uh, of the kingdom of God. They found him, and then God warned him in a dream not to go back to Herod. And when Herod realized what was going on, listen, if he was secure in his rulership, he would never have had to do any of these things. And I'm sure that on some part of him, there's nothing that probably delighted him in killing little boys. But he felt like he had to. He felt like that, his, that his, his authority was threatened and it was on the line and he had to do something desperate. And so he sent his soldiers to this little part of, of, uh, of Israel and had all of the boys under two years of age put to death. You know, these are stories that are not children's stories. We say, you know, Christmas is about children. Christmas is about redemption and the reason why we needed a Savior. And this is an integral part of this whole story, is that God warned Joseph and Mary in a dream. Now just imagine this. I don't know how, he was like somewhere around a year or two years old, but she had just, Mary had just taken this trip from northern Israel down to Bethlehem, which is about 80, 90 miles, something like that. And now she takes another trip that's about 200 miles to Egypt in order to flee. When Jesus stood before Pilate, Pilate said, you know, ask him if he was a king. And he said, where's your, where's your kingdom? Where's your, where's your army? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. He came to establish it in this world. And the way that he's establishing it in, in, in this world is with godly authority. So it's really important that we understand godly authority. It's really important that we learn how to relate to godly authority. I've said this many times before, but um, it's, it's, uh, it's important. It's a, it was an important distinction in my life. That I grew up and I was taught so much about God and so much about Jesus and I believed in God and I believed that God, you know, existed. I dabbled in some, you know, some, some uh, strange religions, um, you know, along the way, um, but it never felt right. It always felt wrong. No matter what I was doing, it always felt bogus. It felt made up, you know, and in the back of my mind, I was in, in some ways just conscious and aware, maybe you could say haunted, you know, by God, that I realized that there was a real God. And when the opportunity came, when somebody came and began to speak to me with authority, that he knew what he was talking about, and he knew the scriptures, 
And he was telling me things about God. I was so hungry to know that. I just wanted to know more about God. And he made it so accessible. He made it accessible to me. And it was like a dream come true for me because that's what I wanted. I lived a life that was in rebellion in so many different ways, but I wanted to be good. I lived in a, a life that um, was far from God, but I wanted to be close to God. And when this person came and, and began to share um, this with me and, and live it and invited me into it, man, I was, I was there. That's what I wanted. I wanted to do it. And you know what made a difference in my life? This God that I had believed in, kind of thinking that I'm like doing him a favor, I believe in God, like that's like, you know, okay God, I believe that you exist. The Bible says the demons believe that. You're not doing anything special. But when I said I want you to be the Lord of my life, that's when my life changed dramatically. When I gave him the authority to be the ruler of my life, that's when my life changed dramatically. Here's the way it's described in the, in the first chapter of John. It says, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There's so much about His authority and His Lordship that seems so mild and so gentle and so... I, I, I just can't describe it any other way. Passive. Now I know that God was working behind the scenes constantly in my life. He was not passive. He was active. But He wasn't forcing Himself upon me. He wasn't, he wasn't forcing me to do anything. He extended His love to me first. And He extended it to me and communicated it to me into my heart in ways that I didn't even understand. I just knew. I just felt it. I just... I just knew it. But he also extended it to me through members of the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters that just accepted me and loved me. I came into this place not knowing anything and they treated me like I belonged. I'm like, you have no idea. And they're like, yes, we do. And you're like, I'm like you don't even know me. And they're like, but I know the Savior. Because I've experienced that myself. And he drew me in. Was it his choice? Yes, it was his choice from the foundations of the world. Before I was ever born, I know that he had chosen me. And I know somehow I had a choice to make. But I know that he went so far overboard that, that the choice just seemed like a no-brainer. It seemed like it was the only thing that made sense. And it was the only thing that gave me hope in my life. So I don't know what you believe about predestination. Don't get tripped up on that. I know God knows ahead of time, but I don't know. And I know that He wants me to choose Him, and so I choose Him. My security, my eternal security, is not in a doctrine. It's in the person of Jesus Christ who saved me. And He wants to teach, teach us how to relate to godly authority. His authority was different than anything that I've ever experienced before. The way that authority works in the kingdom of God, it's by consent. He does not force himself upon you. And I don't know if you're like me, but like there's been times, especially when I was much younger, and I was like, God, make me want you more. God, make me, you know, this. And he's like, that's not love. That's not, that's not real authority. He's not going to lord it over you. 
But I do know this. I know once you've experienced His goodness and once you've experienced His grace and once you've begun to walk in His wisdom and not your own wisdom, you want more of it. It hurts, but you want it. You know, when, um, when my kids were growing up, um, when I had kids, I had forgotten how painful childhood was. I mean, every like little rite of passage, like, like chicken pox. You know, I'm like chicken pox. I'm like, I remember I broke out. I had these red dots all over me. Man, when my, first son, when my son first got chicken pox, it was a scourge. I mean, it was horrible. He had, a, he had one on his eye. It was everywhere. He was miserable, you know? And it's just like, oh, that's a childhood disease. Losing teeth. Like their teeth fall out, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know if girls, I know some girls are not like, I know some boys are not like this, but like I wanted to grow. I wanted, and when my baby teeth started coming out, I was happy about it, you know? It was like it hurt, but I was happy about it, you know? And it was like when it started getting a little bit loose, if you pushed on it until it popped, and then you pulled on it till it popped, you could work it loose, you know? And when I came to the Lord, that's what I was doing. I was like, Jesus, push on it. Push on it. I want to grow. I want to go to the next stage. I want, to, I want to grow up. This brother that had shared the Word with me knew the Bible. I was just like, how do you know all of that stuff? And he was probably maybe 10 years you know, into his walk with the Lord. And he had been discipled here where the, you know, the Word is preached on a regular basis and people are taught. And, you know, he was in Sunday school. He was actually teaching Sunday school. And I was like, how do you, I want to know that. I want to know that. He would lead worship in our, um, in our Friday night Bible study. And I had a little bit of you know, uh, musical ab ability and stuff like that. And there was nothing that I wanted to do with my musical ability more than that. I wanted to be able to lead worship in a small group, and I got the opportunity to do that. And I started spending time in the Word, and I grew in my relationship with the Lord. I grew in my, in my ability to, to, to know the will of God and to do the will of God. And the Holy Spirit was working in my life in such a powerful way that the things that used to be impossible to me now were possible. And all of that was because I put Him in His proper place. I was in a church tradition that, that used the Bible, but they used it in a different way. And so I was going to the Friday night Bible study, and I was in this church, and they had a Bible study, and I'm like, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to go to, to their Bible study. And their Bible study had no power in it whatsoever. It was like, they, ta they taught us that, um, especially like the beginning of the Bible was all a bunch of... Um, uh, adaptations of fables um, from these different, you know, uh, different civilizations, and all most of, of these civilizations had some kind of a uh, uh, a flood narrative, and that this was what. And I'm like, narrative? <laughs> was there an ark or wasn't there? <laughs> was there a rain or wasn't there? You know. I mean, I was being taught that the word of God had authority. I was being taught that it was reliable and that I could trust it. And then these other people were just like saying, well, it's, you know, explaining it in human terms. This would never have changed my life if I didn't believe that it was the Word of God. And that when I op before I open it, okay? Before I open it, knowing I'm going to read something, 
I've already decided I'm subject to it. That I'm responsible to it. Before I read what it says, okay, what does it say? It doesn't matter what it says. If it's given me a command, if it's given me instruction, if it's telling me stuff, it's not just a book and I don't just read it and then decide whether I believe it or not. I've already decided and it's hard. I'm not saying that it's easy. There's some things that are hard to understand. But, and I know, I know to some people this, this just really seems simplistic. But thank God I had a, people that taught me that it's okay to be simple. It's okay. It makes a difference if you believe that God is active in this instead of just that a bunch of people wrote some great, really wise stuff. It makes a difference to know that God had an intention when He wrote this, but He's got an intention for me today. When I open it up today, His authority extends to this Word. Why? Because I have said I am under the authority of it. I'm under it. I have willingly put myself under the authority of it. He hasn't beaten me over the head with it. He hasn't forced me. He's invited me. And as many as received Him, He gave the authority, He gave the power to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He doesn't lord it over us. So let me talk about the fear of the Lord for a second, okay? And I've, kind of, I've already kind of given you a little of insight as to, um, as to what it actually means and how it actually operates. I'm describing something that's operating in my life. So, so, and I'm describing something that I see operate throughout the Word and throughout brothers and sisters that I've been walking with. I see how it works, okay? If I see somebody that's scared of God, then I know that's not the fear of the Lord. Okay? Because what they need is a relationship with their Heavenly Father. But if I see somebody that presumes upon God, they're like, oh yeah, He doesn't care. Everything's fine. You know, He's like, and, and they're living the, um, uh, live, living the book of Judges. Everybody, he's just doing what's right in His own eyes. You know, and He's saying God is okay with that. God, God sees what I'm doing and God is okay with this. A guy told me one time that... Uh, he was doing some things that he shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. And I'm like, you know, this is not pleasing to the Lord. And he said, you know what? God understands. You ever heard anybody say that? Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does understand. That's why he said don't do it. <laughs> he, knows, he understands way better than you. You know what he said to me? He said, God understands. He knows it's my birthday. Oh. Well, what about Christmas? What about Easter? What about Fourth of July? You know? What about back to school? You know? What about getting fired? What about a bad day? What about all these other things? He understands. Yes, he does understand. He understands you better than you understand yourself. That's why he has taken steps to make his will clear to us. The Bible says in Psalms 119, verses 8 through 11, and this is, um, this is David. Um, writing here. He says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now, my brother has preached the word for many, many years. I bet you if I started that phrase and said, the fear of the Lord is what? He would say clean. And isn't that an unusual way to refer to that? The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is clean. 
And that's what we need, man. We need to be clean. We need to be clean. Would you rather have a house that is clean or one that's dirty? Would you rather have a body that is clean or one that's dirty? Filth is the beginning of corruption. Filth filth is the beginning of ruin. Filth is the world taking over. And what is going to happen when the world takes over? It's going to destroy. And you will start off with something awesome and you will wind up with something that's junk. But the fear of the Lord is clean. It's pure. It's reliable. Listen, and it's what your heart longs for. It's what your heart longs for. And I'm talking about awe, and I'm talking about reverence, but if you grew up in a good home with a good mom and a good dad, I haven't said anything about Mother's Day today, so I just want you ladies to know that we love you and you're awesome and all of that, and you're not going to come to church today and get a big, you know, heavy load put on you about what you're not doing right, you know, because you are awesome, and God knows. And listen, you, when I was growing up, there's two people in my house, my mom and my dad, and each one of them exercised authority in a different way. And if you'd have asked me, and if I was honest with you, which one was I more afraid of? I was way more afraid of my mom than I was of my dad. And it always bothered her. Like, he would come home from work. Like, he, I was with her all day long. It's strange that I can remember this, because this would have been before kindergarten. Um, when I was real little, and, and he would come home from work, and the minute he hit the door, I would go running up to him, and I would hug him and all of that, and she'd just like, where's the love for me, you know? It's like, this guy is so special, you know, to you. And it's because she was with me. She taught me what authority was. And I guarantee you, if you were raised with a good mom and a good dad, you understand what fear is. Are you with me? If you were raised with a good mom or a good dad, and it's not because you're like, um, you know, scared of them because they're just randomly, I'm talking about a good mom and a good dad, you're accountable to them. And that your actions, there's parts of you that are out of control, that need to be controlled, and they're really faithful to do that. And you may not have understood it when you were growing up, but you benefited from it. And the older that you got, the more that you benefited from it. And hopefully you came to that breakover point where you loved them just so much and thanked them so much for what they did and what they were faithful for. There is, um, there's an element in a healthy Authority relationship, there's an element of the fear of the Lord. The, the recognition of the authority that's there, the recognition of your accountability to them, and the recognition of your need to be in right relationship with them. I just want to read a little bit more of this. It says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous Altogether, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. More, moreover, by them thy servant uh, is thy servant warned, and in uh, keeping of them there is great reward. In Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen. Um, it, says, it says this, that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And now unto God, and 
Unto, now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What Paul is talking about here in Philippians is the way that we, when we belong to Him, what we have access to in Him. And he's in, in, in Psalm 19, uh, he's describing some of those things. He says the statutes of the Lord, we have access to that. When he says according to his riches and glory, he's not saying out of his riches and glory. Remember the story of the um, prodigal son? And um, how um, when, uh, when the prodigal son came back, the father ran to him, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger. All of that stuff is symbolic of his freedom, that he's not a slave, that he's a son, that he belongs, that he's welcome, that the father is covering up his nakedness, covering up his, um, uh, his filth, um, and that his father is warmly receiving him. And you remember what the older brother said? When he saw all of this going on, he's just like, okay, well, this, you know, this Johnny-come-lately comes in, he's squandered all your money, and he comes in, and you treat him like this. And the father says to him, he says, what does he say to the older, older brother? He says, what? Everything I have is yours. That's your heavenly father. What, what are we worried about? What are we concerned? What are we f- afraid of? Because the Father is like that. It's like it belongs to, to us. It's, it's ours. He says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. Not out of His riches and glory. According to His riches and glory is all the riches of the universe. All the wisdom. All the power. All the authority. All of these things are made accessible to His children. Why? Because we belong. Because we are in relationship because he is in authority when you're in rebellion you have none of that when you're walking outside of his grace when you don't when when you don't want him telling you what to do you have no no access to his wisdom no access to his comfort no access to his protection but when you're in right relationship with him when he is god and you are not and he's on the throne and he gets to say how it goes then you live in the midst of riches and you have access to His riches and glory. So let me give you, um, I'm going to give you three things that we do or that God does that demonstrates His authority. Okay? So God demonstrates His authority. How does He demonstrate His authority? First of all, He demonstrates His authority and as we say all the time, the stuff that is surrounding us, the stuff that, I mean, it's creation. He had the authority to speak the word and make it happen. That's authority, man. It's more authority than I've got. I mean, it, even if I desired to do something like that, it would be so far beyond impossible that I wouldn't even know where to start. But he, he, has, he has done, and that is his authority. He, he made it. And he owns it. Now, there's some of it that's in rebellion right now, but that doesn't mean that he's not in absolute, complete control over all of it. He's in authority because he made it, because he owns it. He demonstrates his authority, secondly, by sacrifice. That means he has the power to choose to lay down his life. Jesus made this clear when he was on the earth. He said, nobody can take my life from me. Nobody can take 
my reputation from me. Nobody can take my money from me. Nobody can take, because he says, I freely give it. I freely give it. That's authority. You say you want to be great in the kingdom of God? That's the key. That's how it happens. And it doesn't happen any other way. Is when you lay down your life, you take it up again. And I can tell you that this is a big thing. It is a big thing. Because Jesus was hearing it, overhearing it from his disciples constantly. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? I'm going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. At one point, one of the guys, Jewish mother, went to Jesus and said, I want you to do whatever I ask you to do. Doesn't that sound like a mother? I want you to do whatever I ask you to do for my sons. I want one of them to sit on your left hand, and I want one of them to sit on your right hand. And all the other disciples were really upset about this. Like, oh, she's going to go, go and pull some strings, and she's going to put them on the, the side thrones. We were arguing about the side thrones. We haven't decided about the side thrones yet. And Jesus said, can they, can they undergo the baptism that I'm going to undergo? Can they drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Because you know what it meant. If you want to sit on his left and you want to sit on his right, I'm not telling you that that ambition is wrong, but the way that that's going to happen is through sacrifice. That's the only way that it's going to happen. And Jesus said, are they able to do that? Will they lay down their lives like I lay down my life? If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, this is the only way it happens. It doesn't happen any other way. And there's a lot of people that have ambitions of being great in the kingdom of God, and they can't even manage their own lives. They can't even lay down their own lives. And if they can't do that, they can't rule in the kingdom of God. God won't give them authority in the kingdom of God, ultimately. Whatever authority they get is going to be bad for them and bad for other people if they cannot do it in a sacrificial way. Because that's the way that it happens in this kingdom that he has set up. He shows his authority. He demonstrates his authority by sacrifice. He demonstrates his authority by rules, by telling people what to do. And he gets to do that. When it says the fear of the Lord is clean, he almost immediately begins talking about the Word, talking about the law, talking about the statutes, that God knows how to do things right. And Israel throughout the the years always drifted away, drifted away, drifted away. And if you read the book of... um, of uh, Ezra and the book of uh, Nehemiah, when they finally found the book, you know, the Bible like, of their day, you know, when they finally found the scrolls where God had said, this is what I want you to do and don't ever do this, they rent their clothes. They covered themselves with sackcloth, with ashes. And why? Because they said, we've been doing all of these things wrong. We've been, we have been violating all of these things. Listen, God tells us what's pleasing to Him And it's not just for his good, it's for our good as well. He made us, he knows what we need. He knows what the minimum daily allowance is. And if we've been living without that because we haven't been listening to him and because we haven't been giving him authority in our lives, we're suffering for it. He demonstrates his authority by giving us the law. And listen, the statutes of the law, the things that he tells us are good. They are good. They are not bad. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I can tell you, there's been times in my life when it has been hard, 
hard, hard to serve the Lord. The only thing that keeps my feet on the paths of righteousness is to know that the other ways are even harder. Because life is hard. But that's my only hope. I would rather do this hard thing than do those other things that apparently seem to be so much easier and end up leading me straight to a horrible life and terrible relationships and unfulfilled desires. Yes, his, his burden is easy. It, and, his, and, his, and, and, and the other part about that is, is that his burden is easy because he's lifting the weight. He's carrying the weight. I'm in the yoke with him. I'm not doing this all by myself. He's bearing the greater weight. He bears the greater weight. He says, here's the way that I want you to go. Walk in and you're just like, God, that's a hard, hard path. And he says, I'm going to be with you the whole way. And when it gets too hard for you, I'll lift it. I'll hold it. And the last one, the way he demonstrates his authority is love. And if you're a parent or if you're a boss or if you're leading any organization or if you're a little league coach or little league soccer coach or whatever, I'm telling you, the key to effective leadership is love. The key to effective leadership is love. He demonstrates his authority because he is righteousness. He is right in all his ways, and that's how he demonstrates his authority. He doesn't cut corners. He doesn't, he, he doesn't uh, um, uh, pull punches. He, he, is, he is what he is. He's not trying to be. He is. He just is, and he is right, and he is righteous. And finally, he demonstrates his authority by his word. The word that he has given us, and I'm, I'm talking about the written word, and there's two different words, words for word. One is the word logos. We, in these Texas, we call it logos. Um, and, and that's all the revealed wor uh, word of God up until this point, including all of this. Everything that God has said and done up until this point, the rhema word is the preceding word of God. Those two things are always in agreement. Always in agreement. He's saying what he said many times before, and he's recorded it for us, and, he's say, and, and it's not, the, the new word doesn't supersede the old word, it just reveals the old word. It just, it's just opening us up to that. And he's got a word for you today. If you spend time in his presence, he demonstrates his authority in your life by speaking into your life. And he has the authority to do that. Next week we're going to talk about discipline. And I want you to remember this. If you're going to be hard in your discipline, be lavish in your love. Okay? Because that's what gives you permission to discipline. That's what gives you permission to, to, uh, to act in a decisive way. And again, whether you're a parent or a, a teacher or a you know, or a coach, or whatever you are. If you're going to be strict in your discipline, be lavish in your love. Go over the, overboard showing them love. Um, Becky was telling me about a, a student that she's been um, dealing with, and, uh, and she told him, like the first time, they, they told her about this student, and the first time that she talked to him, she said, I believe in you. I believe in you. This kid's supposed to be a big problem kid. He hadn't really been a big problem kid. Why? Because she started off with that. 
She's going to have to correct him somewhere along the way. But every time that she corrects him, he'll have a lot to draw on to remember how much she loves him, how big a kick she gets out of him, how much she believes in him. Discipline without love is abuse. Discipline with love is life-changing. And here's the way that we rightly relate to Him. We, we rightly relate to Him by receiving Him. As it said in the first chapter of John, it says, as many as received Him. It says, here's what the previous um, um, uh, part of that verse says, and it's really heartbreaking. It says, He came into His own, but His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right, the authority, the, the privilege um, to become the sons and the daughters of God. He came into His own, and His own did not receive Him. And that word there actually means He came into those that He had made. He came into those who He had created. He came into the world of full of people that he himself had created. And listen, every single human being is carefully built of God. It's a miracle. A miracle that a baby is born. The way our cardiologist told us one time how the heart is formed. And at one point, we, this has been in the news lately about the beating heart. Before that heart is formed, there are tissue that just float around in there. And they attach and they become the, the chambers of the heart. A cardiologist told me that. He said it's a miracle every time a person is born. Every human that is born is a miracle. He came into His own. And He came into His own nation of Israel. He came into His own people of Israel. He came into a nation that He had created out of the surrounding nations. They were not a nation. And He created a nation and He came into His own and His own did not receive Him. Heartbreaking. And what was his response? To destroy them all? No. He said some of them are going to get it. And as many as did, all they did had to cry out, like we cried out in worship this morning, is just call him Abba, call him Father. Give him his place. Put him, put him in his proper place and call him what he is and say what he is in your life. Willingly, he adopts us. But listen, we have to submit to him too. We have to make a choice too. And as many as do that, they become the children of God. So the first way that we relate to His authority is to receive Him. The next way that we relate to His authority is to know Him. To know Him. To grow in our understanding of Him. There's a whole lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of misinformation in the church, too, sometimes. But He is good at teaching His children who He is. You dig into the Word. You spend time in prayer. You seek His face. And he says he will reveal himself to you. He delights in doing that. The way that we submit to his authority is by knowing him, knowing his word, being filled with his spirit and delighting ourselves in that. Listen, you were created with certain gifts in your life, but you were also endowed with certain gifts. And those gifts are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some of those things you were born with you're going to be, God's going to be able to use. But He's got lots more for you to do that you can't do in your natural strength. That you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. And I'm not just talking about, you know, healing the sick and raising the dead. I'm talking about raising kids, you know. I'm talking about being a good husband. You need the gift. Seriously, man. 
You need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be a good husband. Right? Amen. All the guys said, right? And the wives too. And the wives too. Right? To be a good mom. You know? I know we're celebrating Mother's Day today. And I know that all the godly women that are, that are really uh, living it, number one, they don't, think how, they don't realize how powerful what they're doing is. They don't understand. And we need to have a day when we can just say thank you for what you're doing. But that's a small, small token of the thanks that you're going to get, the reward that's yours for faithful service in that. But you know, if, as, as, much as, as much as anybody knows, that it's a miracle that you're able to do what you do. It's a gift that God has given you to be a good mom. You know that it's an impossible task to be a good dad. To be filled with the Spirit. Here's the way that we rightly relate to Him. We obey Him. Jesus said um, that uh, if you are my disciples, do as, do as I command you. That's the, that's the definition of being a disciple. What did Jesus say to do? Are you doing it? That's not legalism, guys. That's just a no-brainer. You belong to Him, it's obvious, because you do the things that He tells you to do and not the things that you just naturally think or the way that you were raised. And the last one is um, we relate to Him rightly by submitting to His authority. And it's not just His, His authority is one thing, but if you have a hard time submitting to other authority, His delegated authority you know, like the police um, or like, you know, your pastor, your elders or your boss. You know, if you're having a hard time submitting to that authority, don't fool yourself into thinking you're okay with God's authority because the, the Bible says if you say you love God but you don't love your brother, then you're fooling yourself. In the same way, if you say you're submitted to God but you can't submit to authority. And listen, God created us independent people. He created us to, to resist um, someone trying to force us into authority. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you can't submit to authority, if you don't like it when somebody tells you, and you know you're submitted to authority when you're doing it in a different way than you would normally do it. When somebody's telling you to do it, and you're doing it because you're submitting, that's submission. That's when submission happens. Are you guys okay? I know, I know, I don't like it either. But it's true. Submission happens when somebody says, this is the way I want to do it. And you say, well, I would like to do it this way. And they're like, no, nevertheless, I, I want you to do it this way. You know? They're accountable to God for that. They are accountable. But I'm accountable to God for submitting to godly authority. I'm not submitting to people. I'm submitting to God's authority in people. And listen, here's the key. Here's the reason why this is so important. And I'm, I'm going to quit. Okay? This is the reason why it's so important is because if you cannot submit to authority, you cannot, uh, you cannot handle authority. You can't be in authority. You remember this, um, the guy, one, a guy that amazed Jesus when he said this um, was a centurion, and he came to Jesus. He was asking Jesus to heal his servant, and what did he say? He said, I am a man, what? Under authority. And I know what it's like. I'm a man under, he didn't say I'm a man who is in authority and I know how authority works. He said I'm a man under authority. And I know that if, if I say to this one, go and do this, they will go and do it. How does he get that authority? He has to submit to authority. There's no authority in the kingdom of God but delegated authority. You can't make up your own authority. 
And the only way that you're going to get more authority is by being faithful with what God has given you and submitting to that and growing in that. That's the only way that it happens. And if it hurts, man, I'm telling you, I understand it hurt. I, was, I am as independent as anybody ever has ever been born. I, 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 I uh, was a problem child to the people that were in authority to me. When I came to the Lord, I, I began to learn the lessons of submission. And I began to learn the blessings of submission. And if your relationships are troubled or if you're having, that's that's between you and the Lord probably, even though you're thinking that it's this person, it's probably something that you need to bring to the Lord and submit to Him. As we close today, at the beginning of the service, while we were worshiping, um, Helen Clark had a, had a word from the Lord, and I really felt like it was now would be a good time um, to share it. So let's give her a welcome this morning as she comes. Um, I didn't want to do this. It's a bit like Joe was uh, talking about authority and, and, you know, God loves us so much that he corrects us. So even though this is harsh, this is because of we need restitution and you're in a place that you're loved. So this is a good place to be restored. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter by these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words, saying, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the alien, the orphan, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you're trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal murder and commit adultery and swear falsely, and offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known. Then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered, that you may do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, declares the Lord. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives and I don't know what's going on in yours but I know that I have dealt with unforgiveness before whatever it is that is holding you back he loves you we love you Joe loves you this is a time for you to be restored don't leave without receiving that gift Amen Are you hiding and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. 
time together today. Um, I want us to stand just as a way to not indicate that we're ready to leave, but to indicate that we're ready to respond to the Lord. Stand ready. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, don't hold back. Don't put it off. He rarely speaks a word to us like that. And Lord, forgive us if we could hear a word like that and think it's for somebody else. you would not speak to us of it. But you are entreating us, Lord. Because you look on the heart. You don't look on the outside, Lord. You look on the heart. And I thank you that your intention toward us is kind and is redemptive. Search us and try us, Lord. If there are things in our hearts, Lord, that are unpleasing to you, pride, arrogance, idolatry, wickedness, unforgiveness, we may have justification for all of it, We say to you, you're our Heavenly Father. You have the right to correct us. 
you have the right to call us up short. We don't want our own way, Lord. We want your way. Thank you, Lord. I feel like that the Lord is saying he's starting to work, but he's not finishing it. He's starting to work in you this morning. But it's not going to be finished here. wants to get you alone with him. He wants to get you alone. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our Father, that you relate to us that way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have received us. And I thank you, Lord, that you have adopted us. I thank you, Lord, that even if we have had insufficient earthly fathers, some of them were trying really hard and some of them were just lousy at it, Lord. But the pressure is not on them anymore. It's between you and us, and you are a good, good father, and we are your children. And if we have learned unhealthy ways of relating to authority, Lord, God, correct us and show us what it's like to have a good father. Show us what the fear of the Lord is that's clean. Show us, Lord Jesus, how your word is not to be trifled with, but to be obeyed and to be walked in and to be rejoiced in and sought out. Show us your face, Lord. Show us your glory. That we might be more like you, Lord. I pray for the, for the mothers, Lord, that are represented in our congregation, the ones that are here, the ones that are the mothers of those who are here, Lord. And, uh, and I just thank you, Lord, for the gift of, uh, of a mother's love. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that uh, just like fathers, Lord, they're not perfect, but that you use them. 
Lord, and I thank you for that. I pray that today would be a day, uh, Lord, uh, that they would hear uh, the, um, the blessing of the Lord and the, and the commendation of the Lord. And more than anything, that they would hear you say that you will always be with them. If they've made mistakes, Lord, you can forgive them and that you're going to make up the difference, Lord. But God, that you, your grace is toward them, Lord. That they stand in a, in a holy place, Lord. They stand in a holy, holy place, Lord. And I pray that you would bless them, Lord. I thank you for the families, the, the homes, Lord, that are here, the the legacies, Lord, that are being handed down from one generation to another, Lord Jesus. And for some of them, Lord, this is a first generation. For some of them, Lord, this is a fourth or fifth or tenth generation. I thank you for that. I thank you for a godly legacy. I thank you for godly instruction. And I thank you that there are, is a reward for those that serve you and that diligently seek you. Send us forth from here, Lord Jesus, but don't, don't stop what you're doing. We live for it. We look for it. We embrace it. We rejoice in it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed. Behold what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? See